Welcome to conference coverage highlights presented by ReachMD on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Conference coverage highlights features the latest clinical information and research findings from the American Association for Respiratory Care's 55th International Respiratory Congress. The meeting took place December 5th through the 8th in San Antonio, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Markina. And I'm Sue Berg. This year's meeting attracted over 5,000 attendees, including respiratory care practitioners, nurses, managers, educators, students, manufacturers, and service providers. Participants included both national and international experts. Breakthrough research was presented through concurrent, general, educational, and open forum sessions. Findings were presented at the meeting from a clinical study that suggested serious complications like cardiac arrest and respiratory failure could be prevented by employing a specialized rapid response team comprised of a physician, respiratory therapist, and a registered nurse. At the outset of this study, the authors hypothesized that potential emergencies like cardiac arrest and respiratory failure may be avoided or at least recognized before they become uncontrollable or lead to fatal outcomes. They looked at the effect of implementing rapid response teams. An example of a specialized response team is a difficult airway response team, also known as DART. The DART team, including a physician, respiratory therapist, and registered nurse, evaluate and secure the airway of patients who have been pre-identified as a difficult airway. Investigators performed a retrospective chart review of patients at a Metropolitan Level 1 trauma center that implemented DART to evaluate and stabilize patients with difficult airways. The researchers report that DART protocol implementation reduced the total number of intubation attempts, cricothyroidotomies, and tracheostomies. 56% of patients survived to discharge. The authors concluded that the innovative utilization of DART protocols improved overall patient safety and the quality of care to patients with difficult airways in a level 1 trauma center. Further, the study also examined the respiratory therapist's role and perceptions regarding the DART team. Respiratory therapists said they believe that they play an integral role and are valuable to the team's success, and the authors concluded that DART has increased collaborative teamwork within the organization. Research was presented for the first time on the ability of neonates to ventilate on neurally adjusted ventilatory assist. Neurally adjusted ventilatory assist is known as NAVA. NAVA allows patients to synchronize spontaneous respiratory effort with mechanical ventilation. It works by way of electrodes within a nasogastric tube that detect the electrical activity of the diaphragm and transmit this information to the ventilator. Changes in this electrical activity trigger and terminate ventilator breath. The ventilator determines the inspiratory pressure in proportion to this electrical signal. This gives the patient the ability to determine the respiratory rate, tidal volumes, peak pressures, inspiratory and expiratory times in total synchrony with the ventilator. Prior to this study, there was no data on neonates' ability to ventilate on NAVO. Over a one-year period, investigators evaluated blood gases of 87 neonates, ranging from 22 to 40 weeks gestation. 85% of the infants had respiratory distress syndrome or neonatal chronic lung disease. Patients were initially on conventional ventilation and converted to NAVO. Both pre- and post-blood gases were obtained from 66 of the 87 patients. The investigators report that after the initiation of NAVA, both over- and underventilated groups significantly corrected their pH and PCO2 levels within normal range. NAVA was found to be equally effective as conventional therapy using spontaneous intermittent mandatory ventilation, pressure control with pressure support in ventilating neonates. Investigators concluded 
that the brainstem of neonates appears sufficiently mature to regulate ventilation effectively on NAVA. The study suggests that neonates have the capacity to ventilate better on NAVA as compared to conventional ventilation. Findings were presented for new protocols in the prevention of ventilator-associated pneumonia. Ventilator-associated pneumonia is known as VAP. VAP is the most frequently reported healthcare-acquired infection in mechanically ventilated patients. Incidence rates of VAP in patients intubated for more than 72 hours are 20%. Prevalence rates are between 10 and 20%. Investigators at Central DuPage Hospital in Illinois implemented an intensive care unit protocol aimed at VAP prevention, which incorporated two main components. One was the Institute for Healthcare's Improvement Ventilator Bundle. The key components of the ventilator bundle are elevation of the patient's head while in bed, daily sedation vacations, and assessment of readiness to extubate, peptic ulcer disease prophylaxis, and deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis. The ventilator bundle interventions were already being implemented at the hospital, but cases of VAP continued to occur. Therefore, additional protocols were added, including additional oral care, change management, and a focus on compliance with oral care and the ventilator bundle. Oral care included acetylpyridinium chloride suction toothbrush and hydrogen peroxide swabs oral care kit. Intensive change management strategies included evidence-based caregiver bundle and oral care protocol education, as well as a multidisciplinary team approach and compliance tracking. There were awards and incentives for protocol compliance, in addition to family education and family involvement posters, plus ongoing qualitative metrics to determine the need for additional education and change management. Likewise, quantitative metrics were put into place to track compliance in relation to VAP rates. The study's authors reported that as compliance with oral care and protocols increased, VAP decreased with rates dropping to zero over time. 650 days with no cases of ventilator-associated pneumonia equates the prevention of more than 28 VAP cases and 14 lives potentially saved. Total cost of care per case of VAP ranged from $12,000 to over $150,000, but for estimating savings, the author set a conservative cost of $40,000. Even in this model, total estimated savings for 28 prevented cases exceeded $1 million. The authors concluded that multidisciplinary change management is essential to ensure compliance with a ventilator bundle and oral care protocol for the prevention of VAP. The same investigators conducted a second clinical study to assess the risks of NAVA to the smallest, most susceptible premature neonates. This study seemed to show that NAVA is equally safe as conventional ventilation using spontaneous intermittent mandatory ventilation pressure control, or SIMVPC, with pressure support in ventilating neonates. For this study, all neonates fewer than 1,500 grams at birth or less than 31 weeks gestation requiring ventilation were initially ventilated with SIMVPC with pressure support. The infants were then placed on NAVA at the discretion of the treating physician. Investigators reported no statistical differences in the incidence of intraventricular hemorrhage, pneumothorax, necrotizing enterocolitis, or spontaneous perforation between neonates of either ventilation group. The authors concluded that NAVA does not increase the risk of these events in premature neonates weighing under 1,500 grams or less than 31 weeks gestation compared to conventional ventilation. Data was presented that demonstrated the use of a high-flow nasal cannula to be effective and safe in neonates in the intensive care unit. High-flow nasal cannula is also known as HFNC. The safety and efficacy of HFNC has been a debated topic among clinicians for several years, centered primarily on the unknown potential adverse events. 
In this study, 69 infants were evaluated over a nine-month period, covering 10,000 hours of HFNC therapy. The study included 41 neonates with progressive weaning from ventilator assistance or nasal continuous positive airway pressure to bubble humidifier nasal cannula, 26 neonates with increased apneas, desaturations, or work of breathing, and two neonates with evidence of pneumothorax requiring less invasive support. Investigators perform patient monitoring, quality assurance, and chart reviews to look for adverse events of HFNC. Adverse events that were closely examined included pneumothoraces, infection, and abdominal distension. Pneumothoraces occurred in only two study patients on HFNC. Two other patients resolved their previously diagnosed pneumothoraces while on HFNC. Three patients had abdominal distension. However, this adverse event was relieved in two of the patients after switching to HFNC. There was no evidence of airway infection. The authors conclude that this study supports high-flow nasal cannula as a well-tolerated, safe, and effective adjunct therapy. Research was presented that looked at the company Inspired Technology's Smart Dose device with a clinical oxygen dose recorder. The clinical oxygen dose recorder is also known as a CODR. The study was funded by Inspired Technologies, maker of the Smart Dose with CODR. Nine patients who were oxygen-dependent and undergoing pulmonary rehabilitation were evaluated after a six-minute walk using their prescribed oxygen dose, and after a 10-minute rest, were evaluated again using the Smart Dose device with CODR. The study results showed that the Smart Dose device allowed all patients to complete testing, compared to three patients who were unable to complete testing with standard devices. The smart dose device also allowed for lower titrated oxygen doses and higher pulse oximeter oxygen saturation levels. The authors concluded that the smart dose device with CODR improved oxygen saturation in some cases with lower settings and improved walk duration in patients undergoing pulmonary rehabilitation. Research findings were presented that show less frequent dosing in patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or COPD, may promote better patient compliance and therefore reduce the use of healthcare resources and associated costs. The purpose of the study was to assess the relationship between daily dosing frequency of COPD medications and treatment compliance and estimate the effects of compliance on resource use and costs. In the past, medication compliance has been shown to have a significant impact on resource use and costs. The study used a health insurance claims database to evaluate daily dosing frequency, proportion of days covered, inpatient days, and medical visits. Unit health care costs were obtained from the 2005 medical expenditure panel survey data and adjusted to $2,008 using medical consumer price index data. The total costs were modeled by multiplying the unit costs by the healthcare resource use observed in the study. Compliance was measured by using proportion of days covered, or PDC. PDC is calculated by the number of days with the drug on hand, divided by the number of days within a given time frame. In this study, PDC was strongly correlated with dosing frequency. PDC ranged from 43% for patients taking COPD medications once daily to 23% for patients taking a dose of four times daily. Multivariate analysis showed that one-year compliance was strongly correlated with healthcare resource use. For every 1,000 COPD patients, a 5 percentage point increase in compliance reduced the number of inpatient visits by 33, hospital inpatient days by 186 days, and emergency room visits by 15. 
This use in compliance yielded substantial cost savings from decreased healthcare resource use. In a statement, lead author Dr. Edmund Toy of the Analysis Group in Boston said that this study of the real-world experience of COPD patients shows that patients prescribed maintenance therapies taken fewer times per day have higher rates of compliance and are more likely to use the medicine consistently. In addition, this analysis suggests that higher compliance levels may be associated with better health outcomes. The study was funded by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Finally, findings were presented at the meeting from a benchmark study comparing Heliox utilization in two ICU ventilators to lower the work of breathing in patients with upper and lower airway obstruction. Researchers at Children's Hospital Boston compared the Viasis Avia from Cardinal Health with a newer Servo I made by Maquette for delivering non-invasive and invasive Heliox therapy. Heliox consumption was evaluated in both ventilators. A 70-30 mixture was evaluated for tank duration over one hour. Overall, the Servo I utilized less helium compared with the Avia at five-eighths of a tank compared to four tanks per day. This equated to savings of approximately 893 liters of helium per hour, or $203 in reduced costs per day. The authors concluded that with less heliox consumed by the Servo-I, there would be a reduced need to store and transport multiple tanks, leading to labor cost reductions associated with therapy. In addition, the authors add that proper utilization of helium may add to the clinician's flexibility. Thank you for listening to conference coverage highlights from the American Association for Respiratory Care's 55th International Respiratory Congress, December 5th through 8th in San Antonio, Texas. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com and powered by Health Day.